Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In heaven, there is no weeping, and in this new body, there's no back pain. I don't know about you, but I look forward to my new body, because I won't have back pain in my new body, and I'll be in heaven, and the Bible says that in heaven, the trees have healing in them. We will be well forever and ever and ever. Sickness will not exist in heaven. When Jesus comes back, you'll be delivered from sin's penalty, from sin's power, and from sin's presence in your life. And I'm going to tell you, if that doesn't get you excited, nothing will. I see people get healed all the time. and I'm like, yay. That's great. I'm glad you're healed. I'm praying for your healing. But I can get more excited when I think about the day that God gives us a new body. You know, it takes a lot of faith. You talk about faith. Well, brother, you don't have enough faith to be healed. Do you know it takes more faith to trust God? And remain steadfast in your sickness than it does to be healed. I am amazed at how twisted people become. It takes more. If I'm sick, it takes more faith for me to say, God, I trust you. And no matter what, I will love you and I will serve you and I will not curse you no matter what. And I will love you. And God, if you heal me or you don't heal me, God, I will be your man. God, I will be your woman. I'll do what you've called me to do. That takes more faith than God God to just heal you just like that. To continue in that. And I know some godly brothers and sisters who have been continuing in sickness and praying for healing for a very long time. And God has worked in them a character and a nature and a fiber that they might not have otherwise been able to attain. But God is faithful. Amen, saints? God is so faithful. Be encouraged. Tell your friends to be encouraged. It's important. And so this man, Jesus, he comes to Jesus. He arrives in the city of Capernaum. And a, and a, and a centurion comes to him. And he says, Jesus, I have a servant who's paralyzed and tormented. And if you would just speak a word, my servant will be healed. Lord, just speak a word. This centurion was an awesome man. We know quite a bit about him. We know that he was a Gentile and a Roman soldier. We know that he was a man in authority. We know he was a Gentile and the leper was a Jew. The leper was a Jew. How do we know that? Because remember, Jesus told him to go to the priest and offer the appropriate offering. So we know the leper was a Jew. And we know the Gentile was a Roman Gentile soldier who had people... Under him, and he was in authority. In Luke chapter 7, if you're taking notes in your own time, look it up. It was this same centurion, really interesting, that built a synagogue for the Jews. 
Isn't that interesting? He built the Jewish people a church. This was a great man. He was a loving man and a kind man because he came to Jesus asking for healing for his servant. Now, under Roman law, understand something. This centurion could have had his servant put to death because when you are no longer useful as a servant or a slave, your master had a legal right to put you to death because you can't serve him anymore. But this centurion didn't do that. He came to Jesus on behalf of his servant. He was a loving and a kind man. He was also a humble man because he said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. A humble man, but he was also a faithful man. He was a man of faith. Most of all, he was a man of faith because he came to Jesus. He was a man of faith because he came to Jesus. And when he came to Jesus and said, I have a servant that's sick, I like what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Did you see that? I will come and heal him. Now, I like this because the servant, the centurion went to Dr. Jesus And Dr. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Notice Jesus didn't say, I'll come and do the best I can do. He didn't say, I'll come and give it a shot. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Now, I like that because I've gone to doctors many times. And quite honestly, many times when I go to the doctor, they just give it their best shot. Now, if you're a doctor here, please don't take offense. But how many times have you gone to a doctor... And, you know, you go in, you doc, you know, I'm giving all these symptoms or whatever. And he checks you out. And, you know, they always check your throat no matter what you tell them. Have you noticed that? It's like you could say, doc, you know, my foot is like ready to fall off with a bad infection. And he says, hey, let me check your tonsils. I'm like, Dr. Quack. I mean, what? I mean, doc, you know, they always check your throat. You ever notice that? And then at the end, I went to this doctor. I'll never forget. And, and I went to this doctor one time and his diagnosis was, he said I had um, my diagnosis was general malaise. Now, general malaise in medical terms means basically you're tired. So I go to the doctor. I pay him this crazy deductible. He's making all this money off me for him to tell me I'm tired. I'm like, hello. Yes, I know that. That's why I came to you, for you to tell me something wrong. I already know I'm tired. That's why I'm here. Or they go to, you go to the doctor, and you bring your child to the doctor, and the child's not gaining weight. This is a real medical diagnosis. It's called a failure to thrive. So you go to your doctor, and he gives you a diagnosis, failure to thrive. Hello? Yes, I know. They're not growing. That's why we're here. Many times they don't know. And then they do lab tests, of course, and lab tests are simply not to tell you what's wrong, but to rule out what they think, what they can find out that it's not. So they all these lab tests, okay, we know it's not that now because the results of tests, and we know it's not this, and we know it's not that, and they're just giving it their best shot, prayerfully and hopefully, to get to the real problem. But Jesus doesn't go through all that, and he doesn't say that. He says, I will come and heal him. Did you notice that? I'm going to come and heal him. And the man said, Lord, you don't need to come. Just speak a word and my servant will be healed. You see, this man understood the power of God. He understood that Jesus had the authority to speak 
and and the disease would leave. And the man said to the Lord, he says, Lord, I understand authority because I am also a man of authority. I say to a soldier, come and he comes and do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, it blew his mind. And in verse 10 of your Bibles, it says that he marveled. You know, the Greek word is here. He marveled is Jesus said, wow. And that deep, deep stuff, man, took me like a week to get to that. Jesus said, wow. W-O-W. Wow. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Now, understand something. There's only two times in the Bible where Jesus says, wow. One time is here as he looked at the centurion's great faith. And the other time is in Mark chapter six as he looked at the people's unbelief. Only two times in the Bible where Jesus marveled or said, wow. One with someone who great faith, the other with someone who a people, his people who refused to believe in him. I'm wondering if this morning, today, this afternoon, is God looking at you and saying, wow, look at their faith. Look at how they're believing me. Look how they're trusting me. Look how they're depending on me. Look how they're leaning on me and looking to me. Wow, he marvels at your faith. Or is he looking at you saying, wow, I can't believe that they don't believe in me. I I can't believe that after all I've done, God would say, I've provided for you. I've fed you. I've clothed you. I've, I've given you a job and I've taken care of you and I've healed your family and I've done all of these things for you. And I sent my son to die on Calvary Street for you and for me. I can't believe God would say, I've done all this and they still don't believe in me. Wow. What would he say? As he's looking at you, he's marveling one way or the other. We know that. Which way? Great faith or unbelief? Notice that Jesus marveled as he said to the man, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And then notice he goes on to say in verse 11 that many will come from the east and will sit And from the east and from the west, and we'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. Now, who are the many? The many are all Gentile believers. The many is you and me. The Bible says when we give our lives to Jesus and become Christians, we're a part of this many will come from the east and from the west. Many believers from China and from India and from Africa and from Europe and all believers, all of those who will give their lives and their hearts to Jesus Christ, they will come and exercise the same kind of faith that the centurion has and it's those people, you and me, believers, who will sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and become involved Invited to this table to sit with Abraham because of our faith in him. The many will come are all Gentiles believers throughout all the ages. But notice in verse 12, the sons of the kingdom. You notice that? Who are they? Well, in context, they would be all unbelieving Jews. The sons of the kingdom. 
All unbelieving Jews, but we can broaden that and say all unbelieving people will not sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but all unbelieving people will find themselves cast out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is saying all those who believe by faith will be in heaven, and all those who don't believe by faith will be in hell. Listen, hell is a real place. Jesus talked about hell more than any other preacher in the Bible. Why? Because he's been there. And he knows you don't want to go there. You don't. Hell, I believe in hell. Hell's a real place. And let me just tell you something. You're not going to be partying with your buddies in hell. I can't believe somebody actually said it to me one time. I had often heard it, but somebody actually said to me, man, well, when we get to hell, you know, we're going to be partying hardy. I'm like, no, you won't. There's no Michelob light in hell. Hello, it's outer darkness. No, you won't be partying in hell. No, you won't be enjoying fellowship and your buddies and y'all hanging out for eternity in hell. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says in hell there's weeping and gnashing. That word gnashing literally means to be gritting your teeth. You ever see someone in that much pain? When you're in so much pain, you're just gritting and grinding at your teeth. This is what the Bible says hell is like for eternity. A place of outer darkness. The bottomless pit. The bottomless pit? Yeah. Can you imagine? First of all, darkness in itself is scary. I don't know about you, but darkness to me is, I mean, complete darkness. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where it's complete darkness. I mean, not even a crack of light through the closet door. Nothing. It's scary. Now, take that same scary feeling, and the Bible says that it's like a bottomless pit. A falling, dark, scary feeling. Hell is a real place. Jesus says, you don't want to go there. In hell, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice Jesus cleansed the leper. He healed the centurion's servant. In that same hour, Jesus told the centurion to go because you've believed it will be done. And in that same hour, he was healed, which brings us to the third and the final miracle in this chapter. As Jesus touches and heals Peter's mother-in-law in verses 14 through and 15. Did you see that? Now, as you put the stories together, you got to, as you study the gospel, sometimes it's necessary to put all the stories together. So you find in Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4 and here in Matthew chapter 8, as you put the stories together, you can see that Jesus had a busy day of ministry. It was a very long and busy day. Jesus went to the church or to the synagogue and after synagogue, after church, Jesus was hungry. Just like I'm hungry after third service, like right now I'm starving. After third service, it's like, you know, you're just hungry after you've been preaching all day long. And then when you get out and you, you go get something to eat, I don't know if you noticed, but, uh, you know, I, I have sanctified taste buds. I, I'm serious. All food tastes good after third service, you know. It's, it's like you eat, you know, you just eat because you're just hungry. You've been preaching, you've been ministering, and you're just hungry. And, and Christians like to eat. Christians love to eat. We affectionately call this church Calorie Chapel. Because we just like to eat. Christians like to eat. They have spiritual, sanctified taste buds too. And so after church, after a busy day of ministry, Jesus is invited to Peter's house. 
And when Jesus gets to Peter's house, he finds Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Now, let's just set the record straight. In order for you to have a mother-in-law, you have had to be married. You can't have a mother-in-law if you haven't been married. Say amen if you understand that. Okay, that's a third of you. That's, that's good. Okay, you got to get married to have a mother-in-law. Now, I tell you that because there are many, many people who will tell you that Peter was the first pope, that he had taken a vow of celibacy and a vow of poverty. Well, if he had taken a vow of celibacy and poverty, then he had to have discussed it with his wife. Because the Bible is clear. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, look it up in your own time. It says not only was Peter married, specifically called Cephas married, but also all the apostles were married. Peter was married. And so Jesus gets to his house. And his mother-in-law is sick with a fever. And Jesus touched her, touched her hand. Now understand something here. This is huge. This is big. We've read this text before and blew right over it, but you can't blow over this. This is big, that Jesus went and touched the hand of a woman. You see, again, in that culture, lepers, Gentiles, and women, the lowest in society, So Jesus touches a woman. That's big. The rabbis used to pray every day. They used to pray this prayer. Lord, I thank you I'm not a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. They used to pray that prayer every day. Now, I would never pray that prayer. You guys understand, right? Don't throw rocks at me. But, but you understand, no. But, but they would pray that prayer every day. Women were really looked down upon in this culture. As a matter of fact, if a woman was having a baby, they would have a big party. People would come over with gifts. The midwife would be in with the mother who was about to deliver. Would, the people would wait, and they would party, and they would wait for the midwife to come out and tell them what the mother had. If the midwife came out and said, she had a boy, a boy, the people would party. I mean, the Jewish people party hardy. I don't know if you know that, but but they like to party. And so they would party hardy. They had gifts and they start exchanging gifts and having a good time and partying because it's a boy. But if it was a girl, she'd come out and say, it's a girl. And they would all immediately pack up and go home and take all their gifts with them. You see, in that culture, women were looked down upon. But the Bible tells us that Jesus went and touched the hand of a woman. Do you know, look at history, wherever the gospel has went, it has set free women and children. The gospel has been the greatest liberator for women than any other world figure known to man. The gospel sets people free. Amen, saints. And the gospel has set women free. Jesus touched a woman and she was healed. Now, in Luke, it tells us that Jesus rebuked the fever. This is the same word in the Greek language that that is used when it says that Jesus rebuked an evil spirit or Jesus rebuked the storm and told it to be still. Jesus rebuked 
this fever. In other words, this fever was inflammatory. It was aggressive like an evil enemy or a violent storm. Jesus rebuked it and Jesus touched her and he touched her hand and the fever left. And what happened? The woman got up and she began to serve them. Did you catch that? What's that mean to us? Well, it means to us that when people are truly touched by Jesus, they want to serve other people. And that's just the way that works. When you have truly been touched by the Lord for all that God has done for Rodney, I owe him my life. And that's why I serve him. I serve him because I love him. I serve him because of his grace. But you know, honestly, there's a part of me that says, Rodney, I serve him because I owe him my life. I owe him. It's not that much to serve the Lord. People go, oh, you must be tired. You serve God all the time. No, I'm not tired because his grace is sufficient. And I serve him because I love him, because of his grace, because I owe him. Why? Because I've been touched by him. And January 23rd, 1982, God touched my life. You remember when God touched your life? I hope you do. And from that day forward, God, I owe you so much. I, I, I couldn't give you enough. And so, Lord, in this little service I do for you, I do it as unto you. You see, when people are touched by God, they serve him. They serve him. And it's not the end of a busy day of ministry. Because in verse 16 and 17, it's not the end of the day. They brought all the sick, all that were sick, and none were turned away. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled. The fulfillment of Bible prophecy that the Messiah would touch people and heal them. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All of this was done to fulfill Bible prophecy. Ah, I love this chapter. And I love Jesus. And I can see as you study the Gospels and go read ahead in your own time. The one thing I love about Jesus is that there are no racial barriers with him. There's no net worth barriers with Jesus. There's no class or caste system with our Lord. There's no categories, no age, no agenda. If Jesus was in a triangle today, you would find him hanging out with people who were drug addicts, people who were prostitutes, shady ladies, people of different religions. You see, Jesus sought to reach all people. These three groups of people, no one would ever reach out to him. Jesus, the leper, the centurion, and a woman. Jesus is always found reaching out to people, all people, not just certain people, but all people. There's no scar, no stain, and no sin that would ever keep anyone from being loved and accepted by Jesus. And we talk about, Lord, I want to be like you. Well, here's how to be like Jesus. You love people, all people, black people, white people, Asian people, Indian people, people who live in Apex, even people who live in Cary and Raleigh. You love all of these people because Jesus loves people. Amen. He died for people 
And you know, you know, you're going to be surprised when you get to heaven and see what people are there. I'm confident there's going to be three surprises in heaven. First of all, you're going to be surprised that uh, about the people who are not there. You remember Jesus said, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, I did this and I did that. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You're going to be surprised with the people that are not there. And secondly, you're going to be surprised with those who are there that you didn't think would be there. You mean like, they made it? Man, it really is a great God, isn't it? And then thirdly, you're going to be surprised that you're there. You may, oh, my God, I can't believe I made it. I was so sinful. Oh, I shouldn't say that around the saints. You're going to be surprised you're there. You see, because of God's grace, that's why you're there. And none of us deserve to be there. We look at other people, oh, there's a prostitute. Oh, that's a drug addict. Oh, that's a homeless person. But you know, the reality is, in some way, we're all of those people. Except for the grace of God, there go I. Remember that and do the ministry just like Jesus, reaching out to people who others would turn away. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.